even before you take the step to go onto a journey, you have to conceive where that journey can go. And just watching these kids start to conceive where their journey can lead to me is the most inspirational part. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 75 of Life in Motion. I've got Danny Hairston on the line, who is the founder of Shred Foundation. His organization is all about using the snowboarding and skateboarding culture to encourage kids to follow an alternative path while allowing them to drive their drive and creativity to follow it. I'm looking forward to learning how they're using something as simple as a board to shape the youth of our future in a positive way. Danny, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. You know, like we we're kind of talking a little bit before, you know, I, I've been following you all for a while and kind of know where you're up to, but you know, I don't know the full story. So I'm excited to kind of get into that. But um, before we do that, let's, let's start, you know, with who you are, you know, where you grew up, kind of ha- hobbies you had growing up, kind of how did you get into this, this lifestyle in the first place? Oh, wow. Well, it's a long story. I mean, actually, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a late bloomer. Um, when I talk about uh, the snowboarding aspect, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Between Columbus, Ohio and Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Um, I was an athlete. I played basketball most of my life. Didn't wasn't even um, not even close to snow. So I mean, even <laughs> to where I am right now, it's probably the furthest where I, I haven't seen myself. You know, growing up as a you know as a youth in Ohio. So, um, long story short, um, started working with youth um, in college. Um, I was a you know, I was at Capital University in, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, moved to New York City uh, for a job working telecom in New York City. The, um, the 9-11 telecom went under. I found myself unemployed and again, found myself working with youth again through a friend of mine who was a teaching artist in the city. So um, she... You know, I was following her for a while because I had, you know, I had a severance package and I was, you know, I was doing okay, um, but fell back in love with working with the youth. So that turned into a, into a job uh, working in New York City, doing youth development in, in the city in a number of different um, high schools in New York City. Um, in that job, um, I transferred to a school in Brooklyn where our program was uh, the person who was working there was going back to school and she was the chaperone for that high school. That high school was participating in Burton's Chill you know, program, foundation program. Yeah. Um, she couldn't do it. She asked me if I could do it. And, you know, I always joke as I'm a black guy from Ohio. I don't know anything about snowboarding, but at the time, uh, my daughter who was older, who was, you know, through a, a previous relationship, she had taken up snowboarding with her school. I had met, you know, then who would, the person would be my future wife. She was from Vermont and she snowboards. So I thought, you know, let me, let me take it up. <laughs> um, it'd be something for us, you know, for us to do. And, you know, and the kids were there were really enthusiastic about it. I mean, I had one, one kid who came by my office every day and begged and pled with me to, to chaperone. So um, I went ahead and did that, learned with the kids, fell in love with it. Um, and from that point, um, I ended up being a, I mean, from a chaperone to a volunteer to the outreach coordinator for Chill in New York City to being hired to be the events and fundraising coordinator for all of the, all of the Chill sites in North America. Um, so it was a it was a quick ramp up. Like my education in snowboarding, <laughs> extremely quick. I mean, I I feel like I was probably one of the most fortunate um, individuals in this culture because I fell in love with it and automatically went to you know what could have been considered mecca. You know, yeah. I went I went from learning the snowboarding, fall in love with it, and going to work for Burton, and moving up to. Burlington and, and working with Burton um, and really 
learning from the culture there and just being immersed in in the culture and learning about the culture um and growing in that in that environment so um from there what was what happened my wife was still living in the city and and chill allowed me to spend you know a few you know, two weeks a month down in brooklyn so i, I was working remotely um, but we couldn't find work for her in Vermont. And so I ended up moving back to New York City and then started working for Stoked as their senior program manager. Um, so I was responsible for all the programming in New York City and in, L in LA. Um, and that just kind of started the trajectory. My background, my, my educational background was in public administration and nonprofit management. Um, and then just through this avenue of snowboarding, falling in love with snowboarding and, you know, really uh, making connections within the industry. You know, I've, I went from there to help another organization, Hoods the Woods, that's in, in Brooklyn, um, helped write curriculum for them. And I was their program manager while living, you know, living up here in the Hudson Valley after we moved out of Brooklyn. Um, and then uh, a guy I knew, a friend of mine, um dan broad daniel broadwell who was the um the mid-atlantic rep for capita and union 32 coal um he pulled me aside and said you know you live up here now once you start a program here so we sat down and we created you know what you know the framework for shred and we incorporated in 2014 uh we started our first program in 2015 uh, went, you know, I maxed out a credit card, 15 kids to the mountain six times. We got a sponsorship, you know, we got a partnership with Linda Mountain who allowed us to do it for free. I mean, we did in charges for rentals, for lift tickets, for instruction. Um, so we start with that 15 and now we're at about 60 kids at Lindham and we're going to announce an expansion into Albany, just north of here, the, the capital of New York State, um, in a partnership with Stratton. And that's going to be about another 130, 150 kids. So we went from 15 kids to almost 200 kids in the course of about four and a half years. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so we're really psyched about that. But the, the general gist of Shred was things that I wanted to do, but I was at Chill for such a short period of time. And I was at um, Stoked for such a period of time. Each one of those you know, tenures was, I mean, about a year. Um, but there were things that, you know, I saw having been involved in the culture, um, you know, and seeing it from not only the cultural side, but also seeing it as a uh, working for an organization, working for a company that, you know, basically helped create that culture. Um, there were some things that I, ideas that I had that just didn't come to fruition. And Daniel's like, well, we can do that here. So. Uh, in a nutshell, SHRED is an acronym, stands for Snowboarders Helping Reimagine Education. And that's where we get the whole life path in providing opportunities for our kids, not only to get access to snowboarding, but master snowboarding and then understanding the culture and then the, the avenues that come from within that culture. So, um, you know, we, we have kids that come multiple years. Um, our goal is for them to not just have access and, you know, for six weeks, you know, learn how to snowboard, but, you know, be lifelong snowboarders and be part of this culture that we love. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a super interesting kind of journey, especially not, not necessarily having a background with those sports, you know, growing up and whatnot. Um, so I have a couple of different questions with that. The, the first question is, you know, I, I think you said that you started to kind of get involved with, um, uh, I guess helping kids in a sense, you know, through college and that kind of stuff. And then obviously mm -hmm. that progressed and then progressed some more. What, I, I guess, what specifically about that kind of drew you to that? Cause I mean, it, you know, I, I use this kind of analogy all the time, you know, my, my wife is a, as a school art teacher actually, and mm -hmm. she's perfect for that job. She knows how to handle kids. She knows how to work with them. She knows all that stuff. I, I wouldn't, 
I don't know if I could handle her job as a teacher. So that's what I'm curious. So like, what, what was it about that? That kind of continued, you know, from that kind of first experience into college and then kind of how it slowly kind of progressed. Um, what was kind of that, that thing that caught you? Um, Cause I'm a big kid. <laughs> I mean, that's the long and the short of it. Um, I often joke that, you know, it has an altruistic veneer, but the actual soul of the matter is is solely um, uh, selfish. Um, you know, I, I when I was in college, we had a, a organization because we didn't have fraternities on campus, so we created a social organization, and part of that was to um, be community minded. So we decided to mentor you know, youth. Uh, we adopted a middle school and we mentored that. And that was my first foray into youth development. And I I just had a relationship. I mean, I, I did it all. I mean, I went, I worked in politics for a while. I was a legislative aide in, in the state of Ohio. Um, I was responsible for the um, youth activation, um, voting and whatnot. Um, so it's just kind of that having that relationship and just being able to relate with younger people um, just seemed natural. Uh, it seemed to be, you know, kind of where I fit and it. And it all was accident, you know, to be honest, it just sometimes you fall into where you fit and you may. It may not be the path that you see, but sometimes if you just allow yourself just to to sit. Um, your path, you know, you're, you, you kind of move toward that path. Yeah. And it just, it just so happened that, you know, when I was in, you know, when I left Ohio and moved to New York, was doing telecom, I was making, you know, a great deal of money. And then that fell out and it just so happened, I fell back into the youth development space. And so I kind of figured that, well, I keep falling back <laughs> it means something. into the space. Yeah, it means something. Yeah, it means this is probably where I should be. And then I was able to take the things that I love and be able to um, teach that to other youth. And I, I'm sure if you ask, you know, your wife, you know, you, whatever it is that you teach, you become better at. Um, like I would, you know, I tutor math. I was terrible at math, but I found myself that, you know, when I went to college, I got a little bit better. And then when as I started teaching it, I was like, oh, so I'm actually understanding this more. <laughs> um, so it's there's a there's a lot of synergy and there's a lot of reward in working with youth. Um, I was lucky enough to have mentors growing up. Um, and then, you know, even looking back at it as shred, a lot of my friends who are snowboarders and have been doing this much longer than I have, have you know, come to me and said, Man, I wish I had this when I was younger. You know, yeah, I wish I, you know, something like this, you know, to actually um, create um, a path for me. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, fought through it, but you know, to have somebody that's making these connections for me is valuable. So, you know, I, I always appreciate those comments, and you know, that's really why we exist. That, that's awesome. And I like, I, you know, the, the, the part about, you know, it was kind of totally selfish at first, um, which, which I think is, I think that's cool. You know, if you're, if, if, you, if you're naturally enjoying what you're doing and if it's sort of, you know, in that say, or in that case, you know, it's a selfish perspective in that way, you know, you're a big little kid or whatever. Um, you're ultimately going to do better for who actually you're working with. So I think, I oh, think that was, sure. that was awesome that, that you said that, and then, so my other question is, um, so you obviously didn't get a taste of snowboarding and kind of that stuff until a little bit later in your life, um, mm -hmm. friends and daughters and all that kind of stuff. So once you actually started or got that experience of snowboarding, everything like that, what, what kind of kept you involved with, like, I guess, what, what was it kind of about the, the sport um, that, that kept you passionate about it, you know? What was it, you know, the, the chance that's something you can do with your family? It's, was there something else to it, a freedom or something like that? Or, or kind of what was that? I think it's a freedom is a creativity. I mean, I'm by, by nature, I'm creative. Um, but 
one of the things about and it's funny because I just had this conversation the other night with someone else. The issue growing up in communities of colors and families of color, um, communities that are you know underserved, disadvantaged, is that when you start talking about career paths and you start talking about um, you know what you're going to do with your life, the quote unquote, what are you going to do with your life? Um, we shy away from the creative. It's really like structural. You're going to be a doctor, a lawyer. Yeah. You're going to go to college. You're going to make money. Your goal is to make money. Um, your goal is to you know be able to support yourself and support your family. And a lot of times in our field, in you know in our communities, the creative aspect is lost. You know, we don't really dwell on the art. You know, even though you know our biggest names are like in sports and entertainment, those creative fields. Um, we we tend to start looking at the pragmatic, and um, I've always suppressed my creative side. I wanted to do art. I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to play music. I'm still trying to learn how to play guitar. I wanted to do that since I was like 14. <laughs> but those things were kind of like you know you need to do this um, because these other things aren't going to support you. And then I, I'm not going to say just communities of color. I'm going to say communities that are underserved rural communities as well i mean most of it like you're trying to get out of this so you're going to do those things that are going to bring you money either going working in construction or going whatever you see around you that is that way to support yourself that's going to be where you're pushed for because unfortunately in these communities you don't really have the freedom or the access to look at other career opportunities you only do what you know so by bringing the experience to these communities and provide say, hey, there's another way of doing this. Um, there's some other ways that you can support yourself but still do what you love um, really resonated. So I, I, a lot of, again, of this is are things that, you know, I experienced as a youth, you know, directions I wanted to go in and I was too, you know, too scared to go against um, family pressure, you know, honestly. Um, there was, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't a, a space for um, making a living doing things creative. So that was the, that was the one thing that appealed to me. Um, being an athlete, you know, being able to do it was another thing. But then it was the actual culture in and of itself. Uh, when I actually, you know, got to Burton and the first thing I did was dive into culture. Um, uh, TK, who's the Burton archive, his job is just maintaining the Burton, Burton archives, which is the most amazing job in the world. And I want our kids <laughs> to be here because he's got the coolest job on, on the planet. He basically is Burton's historian. That's um, awesome. <laughs> I, I, I hung out with him and they did like on Thursdays at lunch, he would show snowboard movies every Thursday. I was in the, in there watching it and just understanding and, you know, understanding the fact that there were places that snowboarders couldn't go, you know, that they were, you know, and, and you know, we can look at it um, as far as the level of access, but the fact of the matter that they were actively prohibited from going into certain spaces you know the culture was actually prohibited from going into certain spaces and we start looking at it and you you kind of look at you know being a um being a minority um you look at the history of change in the culture and how that microcosm that counterculture mirrored um, some of the things growing up. So it was this always this, you know, this draw because of that aspect um, that I found intriguing. And then when you look at the, the other piece of that, there's not, there wasn't that many individuals of color in the space when the actual history mirrors our history. Um, when you can find that common ground, you can find something that speaks to you. Um, you tend to fall in love with it. And that the aspect of the culture more so than anything spoke to me and just being able to be out, being able to, you know, be 
in quiet and being able to move like the, the mountain is my church. Yeah. Um, and that's where I go to clear my head. Um, I, people suffer seasonal depression in the winter. I, I suffer it in, in the spring <laughs> and summer and fall because I can't get out to the mountain. So um, there's a number of aspects of that and, and how it touches me um, is really what, you know, as the leader, know for this organization is what i want to i want that to be apparent in the kids and i want our kids to experience that you know so um yeah the freedom the creativity the culture all those things are what um drew me what made me love um love snowboarding so much yeah and yeah that that all makes sense and um especially you know the the freedom and the creativity part of it um i grew up riding bmx bikes so um, sort of different, obviously a different, but sort of a different mindset, you know, obviously you're not wanted everywhere <laughs> on two wheels right. and that kind of stuff. Um, right. but there's that certain freedom and creativity that comes with it. And it's, for me, it was overall, um, different, ex, you know, it's a different experience in, you know, team sports, for example, you know, it's, it's, yeah. if you mess up, it's on you. If, if you do good, it's on right. you. It's not, you're not relying on 11 other people or whatever. So, that's what I always yeah. found interesting. So, so yeah, it's kind of cool hearing, hearing that story. And then even the perspective and one thing that I guess I often don't think about, you know, being on, on that side of action sports and thinking about skateboarding stuff is like you said, snowboarding. I mean, that's something that you don't really think about, you know, how, when that came about, probably how um, people were rejective of it and, and everything like that and kind of progressing, you know, through, through the years, but especially when I'm sure when you get into different snow resorts or ski resorts and that kind of stuff as well, kind of controversy. So that's a, that's awesome. That totally makes sense. So. That's um, great. But I was going to also being, you know, being somebody who came up through team sports, when I played basketball as a kid all the way through college, that the success is, is subjective. Mm -hmm. And even in a team sport, even though the team sport has, you know, this, quote unquote camaraderie there's always there is a zero sum game there yeah you know because everybody's trying to be the starting five or the starting 11 and you know you're competing against that individual who's keeping you from playing um and then the success is determined by you know what the coach thinks about you know your capability on the floor and the camaraderie within snowboarding where your progression isn't so much through a it's through competition, but as your guys around you encouraging you to progress. So it's a total different piece. And I, and I forgot to mention, but that community piece is key. And that's one of the things we also try to teach in the program as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's a, that's a super good point. You know, peeling back that extra layer, just not the team, but then being part of the team and getting those starting spots and those opportunities as well. So so you started in the shred. So we'll get, uh, kind of transition back to shred now. So you started in 2014 and, you know, with 15 kids and now you're, you're obviously grown that uh, quite a bit since then. So what, what do those kind of programs like actually look like? Cause I feel like, you know, reading the website and, and just watching all and stuff like that, you, you take a little bit of a different approach than, you know, some, some other similar, uh, if you will, organizations, so, so what does that, what does that program look like or a program look well, like? Um, so there's several tiers. I mean, we have some kids in the program that have been in the program for four years. Um, so our programming, the, the, the core of our programming is the on snow piece, of course. Um, and what we do is it's six Sundays, um, most mostly like other programs. I mean, the frame, the actual programming day to day framework um, looks looks similar. And we operated about um, again sixty kids, so we have about fifty that come up on the bus, and we have like a, a spattering of, of youth that actually come up on their own. Um, their parents actually bring them up, which is in, insane because it's an hour and a half from where we are. So. Um, it's really cool and they're really involved. Um, but, you know, the program, you know, six o'clock in the morning, we're meeting, the bus leaves at seven, gets to Wyndham at, at nine o'clock. We spent the other day, the whole day, pretty much on the mountain, um, which allows for more snow time. Um, 
but we also we always do this with the intention of those in, those youth coming back. Um, I think we have like a sixty five percent retention rate from year to year. Like, like over half of our kids have been in the program longer than four years. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. It, it creates a, a different dynamic. So for most uh, organizations, and I only can speak to that because I've worked there. Uh, the question is, how can we get X number of kids on snow? How can we get X number of kids on snow? And so what ends up happening is that you may have a kid that comes out for six six weeks, falls in love with it, but doesn't have that opportunity again. Yeah. And when I was working with Chill, and again, this I'm I'm only stating um, just for reference and for what motivates me, and it's not a downplay on any of the other organizations, but part of my fundraising and events piece was going and trying to reach out to snowboarders to have snowboarders be involved with fundraising and whatnot. And a lot of times when I would get back, it's like, yo, this is great, but you bring these kids out here six times and then see ya, you know? So that was always what I got back. And it was a gut punch because it was the truth. I mean, it's like, you know, we we give these kids this opportunity that they fall in love with it. And maybe two or three may end up coming back, have the opportunity to come back. Um, and I think that's something that might be changing. I haven't, you know, really been with, you know, in touch with the organization, but I think that's a movement that's going in a different direction. But back then, that's what it was. Um, and I actually, I mean, I had one guy, I mean, in one program, that actually told me, I'm not trying to create snowboarders. And I'm like, well, why are we here? Yeah. Why are we doing this? You know, if you're a snowboard organization and you're saying well, we're not trying to create snowboarders, then why are we doing this? And it really, it took everything in me not to lose my job that day because I actually wanted to reach over the table and, and grab them. But <laughs> um, so, you know, these are some of the things that we take into consideration. So um, once a youth progresses to a, a point where they're a, a solid intermediate, then we put them in a, a they have the opportunity to sign up for a junior instruction program, which Wyndham Mountain actually trains them to be snowboard instructors. Oh, cool. And then those youth at that point, we, we provide them with their own gear. So through our relationships with Capita Snowboards and our relation and our partnership with Union Bindings at year three, those kids get their own gear and it's theirs to keep. Wow. Uh, we help them maintain it. Um, and that's, you know, again, how we lower the, the barrier of entry. That's how we keep those individuals tied into snowboarding. Um, and then we pr pr provide other opportunities for them. So um, so the goal is every year, once you hit your third year, you've been with us for three years and you graduated to, you know, solidly riding blue trails, we'll give you your own gear. And that gives you the opportunity to come back outside of programming, you know, our kids, can go and they can get a lift ticket at Wyndham for free and they can ride outside of program hours. Um, and those are other, you know, relationships that we're building with other resorts here. We're hoping to make another announcement with Mountain Creek here in a, in a bit, which is a little south of us in Jersey. Um, but those are the goals to keep them engaged. And then this, this year, we're also looking at, um, we got a, a huge commitment from Evo uh, that's going to allow us to create our shred lab, which is the the actual cornerstone piece of what we're trying to do by creating the workshops and the opportunities for kids to explore career options. So we have two um, two of our youth right now. One who's a phenomenal filmer. Um, he's he makes insane edits. He's like eighteen. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with his family because he's, he's in the same path. Like I said earlier, that there's just no vision for creative careers. Yeah. Um, his mother was sitting there talking to him. It's like, this is all great and all, but she wanted him to go and, and be an x-ray tech. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I was like, this is, you know, it's not my place to say because that's family. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to step in and say, eh, well, you know what? I don't think that's a good idea. You know, my whole goal is like, I understand that, but allow him to work with us and let us provide opportunities. So he's going to be our first intern. He's going to be doing marketing for us. And he's also uh, will be shadowing 
marketing department at Mountain Creek. He also, uh, we've created mentorships with the marketing at Union and Capita to work with him. Um, so these are, that's just a small portion of what we want to do with more of the youth, but the lab itself that we're, we're, in, we're in the process, probably in March, our space will be done where we can move in. Um, that's what's going to be workshops for photography, videography, bringing professionals in to teach these kids uh, these aspects, but also retail. Um, so we'll teach the kids how to, you know, market, how to, um, how to inventory, you know, how to merchandise, and we'll have a little kind of um, exploration, explorational um, shop lab in the space where um, the kids will um, learn how to run their own their own business. That's awesome. Well, um, to step back a couple of things, I think it's really cool the the kind of the three year program that you mentioned, where you know they get their own gear and all that stuff. You know, kind of once they get reach that level which is really cool, you know, cause it's not like a, a snowboard as, as is as inexpensive as like a skateboard or something. Well, right. a, a bike is super expensive too, but like a skateboard for instance, and you right. have to also pay to go to, you know, the, the resort or the, or the location in the most cases as well, which I, I've only been snowboarding once in my life. It was a blast, but I know it's not cheap. So it's, it's cool yeah. that you're kind of giving that opportunity to kind of break down that barrier, that financial barrier that comes with it for all these different, different kids and whatnot. What is, uh, and one other thing, what is the age range that you work with? Uh, our kids range in age from uh, 11 to about 20. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So, so the large range and, and we built it out that way so that they could be with us for a while. Cause really um, you probably wouldn't get into the actual lab portion until you're about 14 or 15. So um, we have them start as, as um, young as 11 with the goal of by the time they get to about 13, 14, they'll be ready for the career piece. Uh, that's kind of the, that's the logic model in that. Yeah, no, that ma that makes sense. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of cool to have that cut off, you know, af after the 18 year old uh, mark. And, and another, like you were just explaining about the kind of the, the different workshops and, and between retail and photography and everything else like that. I think it's, also a really cool perspective that is probably also helping the different parents and, and people that are seeing it is because, you know, some people might look at snowboarding as like, okay, this is, you know, you, you go out on, on the mountain, do your thing, whatever, but they don't necessarily think about all these different avenues where, you know, these kids can, can make that passion actually turn it into a career, whether it's down one of those paths and even at the same thing, you know, you brought up the x-ray tech example, you know, if, if, if the kid's killing it with, with uh, videography and stuff for snowboarding, he has that passion there, but he can also apply what he learned through that to, you know, maybe a more commercial uh, oh. videography. So he can still match both of those while also, you know, having, you know, different, different opportunities for income, I guess, as a career is what I'm saying. So I think that's, that's really cool how you're trying to, or how you're kind of making people think about that, that different perspective of, of it outside of just the actual physical sport itself. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I love that kind of that whole program. That sounds really, really awesome. It's great. I mean, and most of the most creative people I know, I mean, it's not just creating as an art and, but the be the able to pivot into other job opportunities are you know guys and gals that I know that snowboard and skateboard having that creativity to say okay well you know I might need to pivot and do something else in order to continue to do what I love yeah uh, you have to you have to have that that you know that mental flexibility and elasticity to be able to think in, in terms of, okay, well, um, here's what I can do in case this roadblock goes. And, and that's totally comes from that, that creative thinking that comes from snowboarding. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, I think that's awesome. So I know another thing that you kind of mentioned on, on the website kind of quite a bit is the whole idea of, um, self-efficiency, um, mm -hmm you know, the, the idea of that. So I guess, you know, 
everybody knows what self-efficiency is, but how is that being applied within, within the programs? I'm sure it folds into everything that we just spoke about, but. Yeah. I mean, that's the self-efficacy and the resiliency is something that's automatically built into snowboarding. I mean, skateboarding, I mean, any, any of those, um, those sports, because the only way that you can learn is to fail. Um, you have to mess up in order to get better. And when you're dealing, again, going back to the whole conversation about underserved communities, you know, we have a, a fear of failing, not understanding that failing is the, the building blocks for mastery. Um, nobody's going to set out to do something and, and master it in their first attempt. They're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes. The biggest thing I hate is when I go into a school building and say failure, and I see failure is not an option. I'm oh, like, well, yeah. you're setting the kids up to fail because now they're going to be too timid to try because they're like, well, if I fail, then I've messed up. The only failure is when you stop. Yeah. You know, I saw something today, actually, um, where a person said, you can, you can fail at lighting a thousand matches, but soon as you light that 1,001, you've succeeded. So the failure is not getting to that 1,001. So, so that's kind of the built-in. And then, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, underserved communities and communities where failure is built in, that is not an option, that, you know, you have that fear of failure, then that, uh, that prevents you from taking healthy risks. And snowboarding is all about healthy risks. Skateboarding is all about healthy risks. BMX is about healthy risks. Um, and that's why you have so many, you know, these individuals that are in snowboarding, they're in skateboarding, they go out and venture and create their own platforms or they do their own entrepreneurial um, endeavors because it's like, you know what? If I failed, then we sit back, we look and evaluate what went wrong. We decide whether or not we tweak it or we go into another direction. Yeah. But the failure is okay. You know, if you allow failure to stop you, then there's just, there's, you, you've limited yourself and you you never know what your full your full um, capabilities are, so yeah, that's built into it. A lot of it, you know, being out in the elements. Some of these some of these kids don't they you know they're out of their comfort zone. You know, and it's to get them out of their comfort zone. Most of the kids, um, I always talk about having worked in you know inner cities and worked in communities, inner city communities. A lot of these kids don't know what exists outside their ten block yeah. radius. So to take them out of their comfort zone, to take them out of their environment, have them succeed in an environment that's totally foreign to them, provides them, if you're able to cultivate and able to point it out to them, that provides them the, the opportunity and the, and the courage to step out of their comfort zone in, in some other areas. You know, maybe I wouldn't have applied. You know, I have, you know, I knew kids when I was working in high school who had you know, 3.5, 3.6 grade point averages, but wouldn't apply to competitive schools because they were fear of, you know, the rejection letter. Yeah. So they would, they would only apply to the safe schools. They always played it safe. And, you know, we learn, you know, you don't really get anywhere by consistently playing it safe. You have to, you have to take the risk. And if you fail, then it's cool. Just pick it up and try again. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, actually. Like you said, you know, when you go into high schools and middle schools, failure is not an option. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's not necessarily that that's the wrong thing because it's sort of the same thing that you just said because, you know, if, if the failing is not true, but it's almost like that, that statement is framed in the incorrect way where it makes that mindset, like you said, well, I'm just not going to try then. Um, right. And yeah, and, and to your point, that's, um, that, and that's a good point too. Like when you mentioned, you know, 3.5 GPAs or whatever, they're afraid of doing that. Well, if they try and then they, you know, also put in a, you know, something personable, you know, who knows what that, 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 um, 
the, the people who take the applications can't think of their, their, their name right now, but who knows how, how you trying and whatever you say in that application might affect them one way or the other to, to make that, that decision. So I, that's a, that's another great analogy kind of between the, the those, those kind of sports that kind of push you in those unique ways, how that kind of transitions into life in general, no matter what you're doing. Um, right. So, yeah, that's great. So, with that, so what do you have any like, like favorite, like kind of, I don't know if success story is the right thing, but maybe, you know, a couple stories that, you know, that really stand out of, you know, the different impact that you've, that you've had on these kids. And, you know, I, I know you, you mentioned you have some kids that have been going, I've uh, been in the program for four or more years and that kind of stuff. But wh- what are, what are kind of those, uh, those super in- inspiring stories that, that you might have? I mean, I think, there's there's small inspiring and there's large inspiring. I think from a a, a snowboarding culture standpoint, um, last last season was the first time that we've had. You know, we have like a, a weird five year cycle here. Then I'm told every five years we'll get a really big snowstorm. So last year was that that cycle, um, and. I woke up one morning, like my, my Instagram was like, like blowing up (laughs) and kids took it upon themselves to go out and build jumps and build, you know, terrain parks in the projects. (laughs) I'm getting pictures, setting up jumps, setting up stuff and riding um in their communities and for me you know there's you know we we talk about the larger component you know my guys that are you know really the like you know there's a bunch of them but for me waking up that morning and seeing them shooting video of themselves getting their snowboards suiting up strapping in and setting up features in the community um i was i was like yeah this is this is it. We all we want to be um, representative of the culture, and what these kids were doing was super re- representative of the culture. It was it was probably about a half a dozen who who put up videos and tagged us in videos, you know. So we have that. Um, I'm really encouraged. I have one um, um, one of our female participants, real shy. Um, is really taken to to snowboarding and really loves it like it's like passionately loves it and to hear them talk about you know looking for careers that can um, and actually just going places where the plotting their life out to be in places where they can continue to snowboard yeah again we talk about that 10 block radius we're talking about kids now that saying you know i might want to go to school in colorado you know i might want to go to school in utah Having been there, but they know that the snow <laughs> and the mountains exist there. They know that there's opportunities there to go to school there or to work there. Um, now you've expanded the horizons and expanded. You know, I got some kids that have seen videos of, you know, they'll come and ask me where this location is. I'm like, that's Japan. And like, oh, can we go to Japan? Study abroad. Japan. <laughs> so. Yes, abroad. I mean, it's like, yeah, those are opportunities for you. So, you know, the first, the first step, even before you take the step to go into a journey, you have to conceive where that journey can go. And just watching these kids start to conceive where their journey can lead, to me, is the most inspirational part. For me, I'm just like the Sherpa. I'm like, okay, you want to go there? Okay, here's the directions that we can go. I'm here to help you, you know, navigate that path. But if you can see so, I mean, so that's just the, that's, that's for me, those are the wins for me. Once I can start seeing, when I can start seeing their ability to, to perceive what's possible and, and go down that path, those are our big wins. Yeah. So, um, kind of, as, as you were saying, I thought it was pretty funny to, uh, you know, mention how kids are, you know, they're thinking ahead to these different places or in Japan for study abroad, for example, that kind of thing, you know, where, where can they go in their life and the career path that also snowboarding or something like that kind of follows. And that's kind of the same thing that I did, uh, when I chose, 
uh, you know, where I went to college, I grew up in a small town, but I knew I applied to a, a place in a bigger city kind of close by. And, uh, you know, I knew it had more BMX spots, more, more riders, more that kind of stuff. So I could stay involved with that culture and everything. Uh, you know, even when I went to, to college, you know, figure out what I was going to do with my life. So, um, I think it's cool that you said, you know, people are, the, the kids are kind of thinking in that way as well, where they're, 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 they're holding on to their passion and still able to, you know, figure out what they might want to do in life. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's again, you know, for us, that's one of the bigger things. You know, we want to be, um, reflective of the culture, but we also want to use this opportunity for them to decide, you know, where they want to go, you know, create, create the path. Uh, that takes them, you know, to the destination they seek. That's awesome. So, so to that point, you know, one of the things that I always, you know, like to ask, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the guest is kind of a piece of advice. And I think, you know, you might be able to kind of bring, you know, two, two perspectives in, in this question, possibly, you know, I guess one, you know, what, what would you say to kind of encourage, you know, a kid, you know, to kind of stay, you know, as we were just talking about, you know, stay within that passion, figure out what they can do and how they can use that, you know, throughout their life, you know, no matter what that is. And then also what, what could you maybe, I guess, I guess, you know, you don't want to say parent advice, but, you know, in that case to kind of, you know, help them understand that, Hey, you know, these kids can follow their passion, whatever it is, and still figure out a way to be successful throughout life. You know, what, what would that, what would that piece of advice be for, I guess, both of them? Um, I think for the youth, um, it's understanding the passion, um, finding opportunities to network with, individuals that are in the direction that you want to go um you know in snowboarding find somebody that works at the mountain that you can talk to if you have a local shop go into the local shop talk to you know um talk to the owner of the shop and you know how they got there and what connections they might they might have um and just figure out what those opportunities are but um you know, there's a point of being realistic, but there's also a point of also, you know, pursuing that passion um, and just see what those opportunities are. And there's, there's tons of opportunities, especially these days, more opportunities now yeah, um, than there were when I was younger. I mean, you can put out your own, if you're into filming, you can, you know, you can create your, you know, your own, curate your own content and all that stuff. So um, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid. I mean, the, the biggest piece is don't be afraid to fail. Failure is going to be that op- it's going to be there. Just don't quit. Um, just don't give up. Keep on doing it. Even if, even if you have to do something else for a short period of time, still maintain that passion, maintain that focus and seeing where that on-ramp gets you. You know, there might be a point where you may not be doing, you know, what, it is that you want to do, but if you continuously feed into that passion and have that passion in the forefront, there's going to be a point in time where an avenue is going to open up for you and also having the courage to take that avenue when it arises, when it it pops up for you. Um, For parents, which is really hard because I have a hard time doing this too. It's really, you know, my wife's also a teacher um, and she always says like, you know, I can be the best teacher, but the worst parent. Um, cause I don't really follow what I tell my parents. They, you know, the help I give the parents, um, to encourage, encourage the dreamer, encourage the, the, the passion, um, in any way you can. I mean, sometimes it's not going to be possible even, um, was, I'm not gonna say possible. It, it's difficult, especially when, you know, you're dealing with, you know, situations where, um, you know, it could be money involved or it could be distance involved. Um, but in, embrace and encourage that passion, you know, have, have a pragmatic side to it, but don't allow that pragmatic piece to um, interfere with the creativity that your child may, uh, may show. Like my daughter is extremely creative and, uh, you know, I'm, I hear myself at times echoing my parents, um, 
you know, especially when we start talking about academic stuff. I mean, she's more creative than she is academic. Um, so I have to temper, you know, putting out that that creative flame um, when I'm trying to when we're trying to stress the academic importance. You know, you know, find a balance. You know, find the opportunity to, you know, you know, find the you know to talk about the pragmatic and the things that we know need to happen, but don't do it in a way that it just totally destroys that creative spirit because that creative spirit is who that child is. Um, and that's the passion that will drive them. And at some point, you know, it will create an opportunity for them. So try to, you know, it's hard, um, but try to do both. Um, try to, to nurture that, but also try to, you know, parent and, and help guide until they get to a point where they can take the path for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that totally makes sense. And in the circle back, you know, what we said before, in that case, from my parents' perspective, you know, as you're fostering kind of um, that creativity and that passion of whatever, you know, your kid might have, you know, you don't know, you know, you doing that in a positive way could also lead them to that same drive falling into different aspects of their life just because they're getting a different experience there. So maybe it opens up, you know, some doors in their, in their brain or whatever with different situations and, and, and kind of continue on that, that kind of success, you know, whether it is snowboarding passion or videography or, or whatever that is, maybe, you know, maybe that does transfer to something else down the road as well. So I think, you know, probably keeping that as mind in mind as well, you know, so I think that's a great, great piece of advice. So, so with all of that, you know, where can people um, find you online, you know, social media, all that fun stuff, you know, get involved if, if they can um, and just kind of learn, learn more about, about you all and, you know, go from there. Awesome. Yeah. You can find us. Our website is uh, www.shredfoundation.org. Um, we just relaunched the website, so there'll be some more content that will be coming up in the next coming of weeks, uh, especially if we start announcing the new partnerships and so on. Um, on Instagram, you can find us at Shred Foundation, so that's Shred FNDN. Uh, that's our Instagram page. Um, you can also find a link to our partners, I believe, at Share Winter. Um, they're really responsible for um the funding that's gotten us to this expansion level so uh, a lot of times you can find a link to us from um things that they post as well um but yeah those are it and also there's a link to if you go to union um union uh, binding there's a link to our site from uh, their partners link or their um family link so uh you can donate you can volunteer um, there's actually aspects in there where if you want to, you know, you want to donate financially, if you want to donate gear, there's a way you can do that through there. Um, and just follow us on Instagram shred foundation. That's awesome. Well, everybody definitely make sure you check them out. Obviously, you know, Danny has a pretty awesome story about how, you know, how, how he kind of got to the point where he is now. Honestly, I wasn't, um, expecting it from, you know, not necessarily being exposed to that until you know later you know after the college years and that stuff so it's pretty cool that the impact that it had on him personally and obviously he's still making a huge impact now with these with these kids and taking different perspectives to them as well so definitely uh look them up give them a follow all that good, good stuff show them some love but danny i wish uh wish you all the best of luck you know uh for the rest of the season and and uh with your new partnerships and everything and of course moving on Hey, I appreciate it, Jimmy. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Um, yeah, thanks again. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.